Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. A couple of weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, God began to speak to me about some of the stories in the Bible particularly the New Testament stories primarily. And I, I, I thought simple stories with profound truths. How many knows that a lot of the Jesus stories are just so simple, but they're so profound. But then, Gator, I thought about it the other way. They're profound stories with simple truths. And I began to think along those lines. And begin to ask myself, okay, God, what would you have? And I had to, I realized that I was using that word profound to myself over and over. What profound? How many, how many knows that the stories that Jesus told were so ridiculously simple that the youngest child could enter, uh, understand them? But they were so deep that the greatest scholar could chew on them for a while. Could mull over them. So this morning, I want us to think about either simple stories with profound truths or profound stories with simple truths. Either way, we want God to speak of us. Now, I was hearing that word profound over and over, and I said, well, God, what does profound exactly mean? Now, how many knows that sometimes we start using a word and we really don't know what it means? It just sounds good, especially for some of us. It's not that all right, bright. We get a new word and we like to use it. Then I don't have a clue what it means. So I, I wanted to make sure I knew what profound meant. So I looked it up. And the word profound means very great or intense. Having or showing great knowledge or insight. How many knows that Jesus has great knowledge and insight? His ways are higher than our ways. And he knows what we have need of according to scriptures. What? Even before we ask. Now. I don't profess to have any type of insight like Jesus has. But the Bible does tell us that he gives us the mind of Christ. And yet Jesus used these simple stories to share profound truths, great insight, great knowledge. But sometimes they zoom right overhead. You know, that used to bother me. That used to bother me whenever I would preach and preach and just zoom over people's heads. And then I realized that Jesus preached and preached and preached, and guess what? Zoomed over their heads. But then God spoke to me and said, uh, you know, I said, God, I know this was your message. I know, that, I know this is what you wanted me to share, but they don't have a clue. And you know what God said? How many weeks did it take me to get through to you? <laughs> so then it, I understand sometimes it just goes over our head. Now, my original thought this morning was going to be taking a number of the great stories of Jesus and trying to give those profound truths. Because every story that he gave is a lot like an onion. You just keep peeling it off and peeling it off and peeling it off and get some great, great truths. But then I realized that would be too long a message to preach at one time. 
Because I learned a long time ago that the mind can only comprehend as much as a seat can endure. So I knew I couldn't cover it all. So I began to narrow it down. Matthew and Luke share the story of the lost sheep. And I want us to go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and read this story. Beginning at verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven that angels always see the face of God who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these least ones should perish. He reiterates the story again in Luke. And it's a great story. And of course, the main theme of that story is the lost sheep. But I want to mention something to you before we begin into the lost sheep. Because I had a problem when I was reading that. Because it says he left the 99 on the mountain. Did Jesus just, or the good shepherd, take them out there and just leave them on the side of the mountain and forget about them? And in Luke it says he went to the mountain, on the side of the mountain. And I, I had difficulty with that because I know that Jesus doesn't leave the flock unattended. And I know some of you say, well, why would you say that? Because the Bible is quite clear we have a good shepherd. And a good shepherd does not leave his flock unattended. So I'm sure when I toured Israel a few years ago, one of the things that amazed me, a lot of things about Israel amazed me. One is it's so small. You know, Israel's only about the size of New Jersey. That's small. The jet planes that can fly from the Air Force there can fly over it in two minutes. Small state. But I noticed something there is alongside the valleys, they had hillsides. And in almost every hillside, they had a lot of caves. And I found out that a lot of those sheep and shepherds would make use of those caves. They would leave them there, and that cave literally would become where they put their flock at night or when there was any danger or bad weather. Of course, they don't have that much bad weather in Israel, but they would put them there. But what point I wanted to make is that God is never going to leave you comfortless. He's never going to leave the flock. But the point that Jesus was making to these people, the reason I'm here is not just for this flock. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. It's a great story. The main thing is the lost sheep. And I could deviate and say that as a church, we need to do more than just look at the flock here because there's some out there that need to know where the church is. Amen. And when I say need to know where the church is, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Amen. They need to know about the flock. They need to know about the flock. Now, 
When we built this church, this building, one of the foremost things in our mind was to make it usable. We did not want to spend thousands of money just on elaborate architecture because elaborate architecture doesn't appeal to too many lost people. We wanted to make something that was practical. Has any of your cars got things on it that you wish wasn't there? Maybe I know most of you a lot more advanced than I am, but my car has got that deal on it that if you pull up to a stop sign or a traffic light, it shuts down. I, I, I went to the, the, yeah, you can turn it off, but you have to turn it off every time. And I went to the dealer, and it went bad, and I went to the dealer, and I said, can't you just not fix it? I had a recall on it. He said, no, we're required by law to have that. I said, well, I don't like it. He said, why not? I said, because I'm old school. I used to have to drive a standard. Any of you drive a standard? And you put one foot on the brake, and one foot on the clutch, and one on the gas. And I know somebody said, Pastor, you only got two feet. That's the problem. That's the problem, trying to keep that running. And, and I, I went on to say, I said, but the problem with shutting it off is that I had cars that I wasn't sure it's going to start back. <laughs> that you had to pull up to the stop sign and keep giving it gas just to keep it from running, okay? So I, I don't need all that stuff. But we need to understand that our God's a practical God. And as I said, that middle of that story when he says he's going to leave the 99, that didn't really resonate with me because I said, why would he leave the 99? But then I was reminded of that story. I was reminded that he was the good shepherd. And the last thing that Jesus, the good shepherd, said, one of the last things he said to the church before his death When I say the church, he said it to the disciples. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to leave the Holy, send the Holy Spirit. So you're going to have somebody to take care of the 99. But while I'm taking care of the 99 inside the building, somebody needs to go outside the building because there's somebody looking for Jesus. Jesus made that promise. He said, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Now, before we go to the Gospel of John, I want to remind you of a couple of profound truths. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus speaks of three lost things. He talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, uh, lost son. The lost sheep is the same story that we read in, in Matthew. Same story. Left the 99 and went to find the one. The lost coin was a, a woman lost her coin. And it was so valuable to her that she asked all of her friends, come help me to look for my coin. And when they found it, they had a great celebration because that which was lost had been found. Then the last story in there is the lost son. And I believe that lost son story that we know as the prodigal son, that story was a rebuke 
to the 99. You say, wait a minute, there's not 99 in there. No, there's an elder brother. And all those religious leaders that he was telling that story to, the elder brother cared less about his lost brother. Let him go. He's got his inheritance. Let him go. And so I believe that story was not just a story about a lost son. It was talking about the son that was ignoring the lost brother. Do you know what may have been Jesus' last act here on this earth prior to the triumphal entry? Now, I said one of the last things. May have been the last thing. We have it recorded. It was the last week right prior to the triumphal entry. He went to Jericho. And as he was going by a tree, he looked at the tree and there was a man in that tree. His name was Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, the only thing worse than a tax collector is a politician, right? Just joking, just joking. Some people say it's a lawyer. I don't know. I know some good lawyers. But there was a story about uh, a couple that were getting ready to get married. And uh, right before they were getting married, they had a car accident. Both were killed. They went to the pearly gates and were let in, but they put in and said, we want to get married. They said, we don't marry in heaven. And they put in and they find on. And after seven years, seven years, he finally said, okay, we'll let you get married. Well, after a while, they came to him, we want a divorce. He said, what do you mean you want a divorce? Well, you waited seven years for you to get married. He said, yeah, but we want a divorce. He said, that won't happen. He said, why is that? He said, well, you know, we had to wait seven years for a preacher to get here. You can, don't know how, we, how long we have to wait for a lawyer. <laughs> Just saying. But Jesus walked by and saw this man in the tree. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to sup with you. And the last words of that passage, he says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He loved that tax collector so much. They said, come down. I'm going to your house. I'm going to your house. He didn't invite him to the temple. He didn't invite him anywhere. He said, I'm going to your house because I want to minister to you. I want to seek and to save that which was lost. I want you to think about it. Jesus' first sermon that we know as the Beatitudes, during that first sermon, it was the lengthiest time we have of any of his sermons, but during that, there was a key element, and the key element says, you are the salt of the earth. The other ones, you are the light of the world. And he said, you're not going to light that candle and put it under under the bed. You're not going to light it and put it under a bushel. You're going to put it up so it will cast light into the world. So much of the church's activity is done in such a way that we're lighting up the church building, but we're not lighting up the world. And God said, I've come to seek and to save that was lost. So his first sermon was be the light of the world. 
And his last one, or one of his last, is he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, an awesome passage. An awesome passage. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know the voice of the good shepherd. An interesting story that supposedly is true, I don't know, but supposedly someone was in Israel one year and they were seeing some people driving a bunch of uh, a sheep. They were not being led, they were driving them. And somebody said, I always thought that a shepherd led their sheep. He says he does. Those are not the shepherd, those are the slaughterers. They're driving the sheep to the slaughter. God is a shepherd. He leads his sheep. And he says, they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly I said to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and I will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and that they may have life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Oh, I love that he's a good shepherd. I love that he's a good shepherd. Let's pause there and let me remind you that what's uh, uh, Psalm 23 say? The Lord is my shepherd. Prophetically speaking of Jesus Christ, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. One translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want because he is the good shepherd. Now, if you go back to read Psalm 22, Psalm 23 and 24, there, that's a trilogy talking about Jesus Christ. What was the first one? Psalm 22. Let, remember those first couple of words of that? Some of you quote it. We often quote it. Jesus quoted it from the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? Oh, my God, I cry by day. And you say, why, why was Jesus saying that? Was Jesus uh, so far from God? How I many knows that he wasn't far from God, but God could not tolerate and look on sin. But he was quoting Psalm 23, or excuse me, Psalm 22. Saying, why have you forsaken me? Look at Psalms 22. It, is, it talks about the Jesus Christ on the cross. It talks about, it says, I can count all of my, my, my bones. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. All that's recorded in Psalm 22. Talking about the fact that Jesus, the good shepherd, was going to die for our sins. And of course, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. How did he get that? Because he died for us. He redeemed us. He invited us to be part of his flock. And the only way that you can come into that flock is to be born into it. Being born again. And then chapter 24 of Psalms talks about it's the earth is the Lord's and fullness uh, thereof. And it closes it out. Who is this king of glory? The king of this universe is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The good shepherd. And this is what I'm talking about in Psalms uh, chapter 10. Let's read on. It says, 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for my sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know my father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it up from me but I lay it down my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This charge I received from my father. He said, this is what I came for, to die and to redeem these people, to bring them into the flock. Wednesday night, I had a great study using the book of John, uh, James Davis on the gospel of faith. And it talks about the fact that according to scientists, and I believe it totally to be true, our universe is getting bigger and bigger. But that doesn't surprise me. You say, why doesn't it surprise you? Because the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus ever was a creator, guess what? He's still a creator. We think we got it all under control. I want to tell you what, our minds can't imagine what God is doing. He is a great creator. And this earth that we know it, this is the only flock that we're aware of. He may have other flocks that we have no clue about. But I'm going to tell you, he loves you and loves me so much that he sent his son to this earth to die so that I could be a part of that flock. But not just me, but anyone else that wants to receive him, to them gave you power, become the sons of God. Or to join his church. Wow. Now I cannot read this story without being reminded of a story from my childhood. Some of you have heard me share it. I remember it well. My dad was a big fox hunter. Originally he hunted coons and then deer. And then he later on became a fox hunter. And that's what I mostly remember. He loved hunting fox. He loved his dogs. And I could tell you many, many stories about his dogs. And a lot of people won't believe it, but I tell you, it's totally true. He knew every dog and the voice of every dog. He could tell you them running. He could tell you who was in the lead. Oh, that's Susie. No, that's Cindy. And, that, and he knew all their voices. And to most people, my, my mother didn't care for hunting. And she says, if I wanted to hear a dog bark, I'd stand on his tail. <laughs> so there was a lot of difference between my mom. But my dad knew his dogs. And there's many stories that I could tell you. But this one sticks out in my mind. We were sitting outside. When I say sitting outside, we were probably leaning against the truck. Because we didn't have air condition. We had heat conditioned. And so we didn't go inside because we, it was hot in that house that we lived in. And we stayed outside talking. And that night we were sitting around the truck talking to some of my dad's hunting buddies. 
and then outside in the dark, beyond what we could see. Now, now we didn't, like I said, we just had natural light, so there wasn't much going on. But somewhere in the dark, a dog growled. And my dad said, that's old Frank. You say, big deal. Well, the story is, and this is true, Frank had been missing for over a year. My dad had taken him hunting and somebody stole him. And they brought him back too close to home and he came home. But after a year being away, all he did was give a little growl. And my dad recognized him. Now, I know somebody said, Pastor, big deal. I'm going to tell you something. Our God knows our voices so much better than my dad knew old Frank. And all we have to do is utter the least little sound. He said, that's Gator. That's Shireen. That's John. And he knows you. Why? Because you're part of his flock. And a good shepherd knows his sheep. And he knew them by name. The Bible says he's written you on the palm of his hand. I helped name a bunch of dogs. Now, we usually kept about 20 head of dogs. And, you know, we didn't keep them a long time, so we'd run out of names. Some of them were pretty good. We had old Josh and Kate and Cindy and John and Sonny. But we got desperate a few times and named the Sweet Bobby and Bozette. Now, if that happened to be your name, I'm not slamming you. That's just, you know, we, we just named them. But my dad knew every one of them by name. And every one of those dogs knew their name. And God knows you by name. And he loves you so much. He treats you a lot better. Yeah, I know some people don't like discipline, but some, how many knows that God sometimes disciplines us? He, he has to because some of us, it wouldn't be, we'd be like me and Gator. You know, no, if we weren't disciplined, we'd be rascals. My wife wonders sometimes if I'm not anyway, but... Uh, my dad used to load them up in the dog box, 10 to 15 head of dogs in there. I don't know how we got them in there. And he would go to the gate, Sonny. And guess who would come out the gate? Sonny. And I know none of you like this, but why didn't the others get out? Because they knew that flashlight would hit them upside the head if they did. But he knew their name, and they knew his voice. God knows your voice. He hears the smallest cry. And you may think he don't even know where I am. We didn't know where Frank was for well over a year. But just the sound of his voice, that's old Frank. And God will always look at us just like my dad with his old Frank. Come on in, Frank. Good to have you home. Like he'd never been missed. Now as much as my dad loved his dogs, he doesn't love as much as God loves us. Then there's another thing that's lost. 
a lost coin. Now, you know, a coin's an inanimate object. It doesn't have any feeling. Doesn't have a clue. Doesn't think. Now, I know this is kind of stretching, but this is what I thought about. There's many, 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 many people in the world today that are like the lost coin. They don't have a clue. I, I said they don't have a clue. And I'm not talking about politicians now. I'm talking about everybody. There's a lot of people in the world. Now, when I was growing up here in Florida, I couldn't imagine somebody not hearing the name Jesus. I just can't imagine that. But I can tell you, I've come to the conclusion there's thousands and thousands of people right in this area that don't have a clue. They're like that last lost coin. But you know, to the owner of that coin, guess what? It was quite valuable. And just because that coin didn't know it was lost, didn't mean it wasn't lost. So we need to understand something. You may know somebody, or maybe you're here today, and some of this stuff I'm talking about, you don't have a clue. But according to Scripture, I said according to Scripture, the only way we can become a child of God is to be born into the family, to be born again. And that's by realizing that we're lost I'm so glad that God didn't say we had to understand it. We just accept it. And so if you're here today and you don't have a clue what we're talking about, can I just encourage you to just realize that according to Scripture, you're lost. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth so that he could find you. And church, he's asked us to gather all of our friends to help find that lost coin because it's valuable. It's valuable. And of course, we know the story of the prodigal son. The father never quit looking for his lost son. Now, Frank had no choice about being lost. He got stolen. But this prodigal son left deliberately. He left deliberately. But if you read that story, as long as he was lost, that the father kept looking for him. And as I've already mentioned, I believe it was an open rebuke to the elder brother because he didn't go help trying to find his lost brother. He just ignored it. But the Bible says when the son came to his senses, I I love that thought. When he came to his senses, he realized something. He said, the servants in my daddy's house have it better than I do. Because they get three meals a day, and I'm having to slop the hogs and eat with them. Now, that's pretty bad for us. But for a good Jewish boy, it was really bad. Because they weren't supposed to have anything to do with pork. And it says, while the son was a great distance off, the father ran to him and put his arms around him. 
said, welcome home, son. I'm sure he called him by name because he knew his name. That was his son. But can I remind you that that boy came from the pig pen? Any of you ever slopped hogs? I have. You don't slop hogs and then go to school. Because I, I, and Gator, you don't have to get much of it on you. You, you can be so careful. But you're going to smell like the pig pen. You know that sun? Still smell like a pig pen. The best he could have done is went by the creek and rinsed off. But he didn't have any more clothes to put on. So he still smelled like a pig pen. The dad went, threw his arms around and said, welcome home. My son that was lost is now found. Mm. Good friend of mine who went to be with the Lord not too long ago was raised in church, but he became one of those prodigal sons. He ran, got into all kinds of issues, drugs, alcohol, you name it. And he shared with me, and he gave me permission to share this because he later became my youth pastor. We said, Daryl, it got so bad that I didn't know what I believed. But I got so miserable that one day I fell next, down next to my bed. He says, if there's a God in heaven, help me. If there's a God in heaven, help me. That prodigal son was welcomed home. I want to close with a story that you've heard, or many of you have. This one made its rounds a number of years ago, and it was entitled The Apple Tree Song. I'm not going to sing it. But there was a, a boy. Grew up in church. His mom and dad was very, very godly. And he just became a renegade. They couldn't do anything with him. And the final straw was then he came home one night and beat up his mother. And the dad said, son, you've got to leave. I'm not going to allow you to mistreat your mother. You've got to leave, and if you don't change, we don't ever want to see you again. Well, one day this guy was walking down the street, and he heard some gospel music going on. Wound up going into a church and gave his heart to the Lord. And he wanted to go back home. But he was afraid to. He had not talked to his mom and dad in years. They probably thought he was dead because the route he was going, he should have been dead. So he sent him a letter. They couldn't answer it because he didn't have an address. And in that letter, he told him he was going to 
come home or ask if he could come home. Well, he had gotten on a train on his way home, and a minister saw how restless he was. The preacher sat down next to him, began to talk to him. So he told him that story. He said, preacher, I got so bad that I hit my mama. He said, I regretted that all these years. But now I've given my heart back to the Lord. But I wrote mom and daddy and asked them if I could come home, but they didn't have a way of answering me. And he said, well, how are you going to know? He said, well, we're almost to my house. We live right close to a railroad track, or this railroad track. And the train will go right by my house. And I told mom and dad if it was okay for me to come home, that they would tie a ribbon on the apple tree. And I know it's okay for me to get off and come home. But if there wasn't a, they, if I couldn't come home, just ignore it because if I didn't see a ribbon, I'll just keep going. I said, preacher, I can't stand it. I don't think I can look. But right after we go around this curve, there on this side of the tr- train, there's an apple tree. Or at least I hope it's still there. Did you see if there's a ribbon tied to it? After they turned around, the preacher said, Son, you don't have a thing to worry about. Said, That apple tree's in full blossom. It's got ribbons tied all over it. And there's a mom and dad out there that's gray haired and in her apron, but they're waving a bed sheet. Said, Welcome home. Welcome home. So today, as we close this service, this, these simple stories, and again, I totally changed it from my original thought. But I want you to know that there's a shepherd looking for you. If you're not home, if you're not in the flock, there's a shepherd, the good shepherd that's looking for you. If you're not part of the flock, can I tell you something else? There's a flock waiting for you to welcome you in. And not only that, I didn't read it a while ago, or if I did, I've forgotten it, but it says there's a angels in heaven that celebrate. Only thing I know angels in heaven celebrate, they said they celebrate when one person comes to God. So I want to say, welcome home. Welcome home. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come and I want to pray. And during this first part of this closing, I'd like to ask if you are out of the fold. You may be like the coin. You may not really have a clue of what I've, all I've said, but you just know that you're not in the fold or it could be like the old dog Frank it wasn't his fault but he got circumstances came up and 
separated him from the flock or the pack but he came home or you could be like the prodigal son you left a long time ago and could care less but now you realize you need to come home if that's any of you that want to make that decision today we're going to open the altars for that to take place first On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.